Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's Mike Shope. We were having a very serious conversation about mayonnaise here. And the Bulldog. And don't even talk to me about weed. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, rolling along into the 5 o'clock hour. Glad to have you along for the ride with us today. Mike Shope is on vacation. I am the Bulldog, Sal Capaccio, filling in for Mike today. We've got Zach Jones at the controls. 803-0550 is the number if you'd like to get in on the conversation. A lot of football today. We'll turn our attention to hockey in about an hour when Paul Hamilton joins me to kick off the Sabres pregame show. Sabres are in Montreal to play the Canadiens tonight. Friday night they will be in Columbus to play the Blue Jackets. That's the next couple of games for them. But between now and then, me and Sal's going to be hanging out here talking some football and would love to have your input at 803-0550, again, if you are so inclined. I feel like we left off here, we get sort of sidetracked by all this uh, league stuff, quarterbacks and receiver talk uh, in the back half of the 4 o'clock hour. But when we were talking to Joe Marino from uh, Lockdown Bills and Lockdown Scouting um, in the 4 o'clock hour sale, it sort of it dawned on me that I have not really been – considering edge as a first round need. And, you know, I, I know what the numbers are, but for some reason, when I get, I get, if I get off of wide receiver as the idea, my attention turns to defensive tackle. Maybe that's because one of the first draft analysts we had on was Cody Carpentier, who was on, I think from mobile during, uh, during the senior bowl and this, this wrecking man sweat, the defensive tackle from Texas was somebody that he talked about. I'm like, oh, okay, that's an idea. And I, I just have not really been focused on edge rushers, but you can certainly make a case. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you to make a case for it being the Bills' first-round pick, as fatigued as I guess maybe some fans have been by it um, because of all the assets they've poured into it in the last few years. They don't have much there under contract at all either. I am also fatigued by it. But I also understand and know that 
almost have to do it, you know, early on and pretty often. You you have to invest resources in it. You you have unless you have that guy that's if you unless you have a Micah Parsons, you know, young, he's incredible, right? And he's going to be there a long time. You you have to do it, and you have to get that guy. And I don't know who that guy is because of the question of Von Miller. And then even if Von Miller returns kind of even semi to form, maybe this might be the last year. Now, next year really changes how you can get out of his contract a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Start to save some mm-hmm. of that money. You really can't this offseason. And Greg Rousseau, I like him a lot. He's not that, oh, my God, we got a game plan for Greg Rousseau coming off the edge kind of guy. He's just a really good player all around. I love his game. Yeah. Love the Bills have him. But that's not him. Leonard Floyd, yeah, but you know, Leonard Floyd even said like he, he's a free agent. He's going to. He's going to follow some money, right? He's going to go mm-hmm. get paid, and he's earned that. And I don't think they can afford to you know, revisit that necessarily at the same price. If you can get Leonard Floyd back, great. You can get someone like that in free agency back, great. Yeah. But I do think still you have to have a really good young pass rusher who can get to the quarterback. I mean, it's just something you got to do in the NFL these days, <laughs> given how the league is played with these great quarterbacks. Right. I guess it's it's not enough to settle for, I can't get to Patrick Mahomes anyway, so I should just stop trying. No. <laughs> like that's, it's no, te- it's, I, it's I tempting just, no. to stand there a little bit, like right? Like just, uh, just, the 49ers just, did. Right? They got to him. <laughs> that's right. Like the, he was sacked like three times in the first half. Yeah. Chase Young and Bosa, you know, yeah, <laughs> right. That, 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 there's high end right there, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean Miller is such an interesting piece of this, um, and the fatigue, like you mentioned, you're fatigued by it too, and and some of that is probably right, like going back and forth with fans about it. Um, but I mean, we all know the names. I mean, they divested themselves of Boogie Basham eventually, but that that was right after the the, the loss in the championship game. We got to get to Patrick Mahomes, so it's Rousseau and Basham, and then Epinesa after that. And you know, now we're at a point where Rousseau's the last man standing there, and we're talking about fifth year options for him already. So it it goes by fast, I guess, especially when you don't. You know, I'm not talking oh, about yeah. a first-round pick. Like, Epinesa is only a second-round pick. They're four, four years, and he's done, whereas they've still got a little bit of time here uh, with Rousseau. So, yeah, like, I, I, I get it. And I, I think also as kind of a sidecar to this, I was talking about this with Nate a little bit yesterday. Nate Geary will be in tomorrow and Friday uh, to fill out the week while Mike is off. And... I, I think it's getting harder and harder to settle for, well, just draft a bunch of offensive players and go outscore the Chiefs. Uh, I think that's how I know I sounded after the 20 season and kind of in the midst of this, we got to draft defensive ends, right? We got we to get to Patrick Mahomes. That was the approach the Bills took. And a lot of us were, were out here going, no, you got to just find your way to outscore him. I don't know. I mean, the way the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this right. year and the way, like, it's not just the Bills that had a tough time finding their way to explosive plays. That stuff was down across the league. So I wonder if it's one of these ebbs and flows of the way the league goes. And I know you've talked about this with us over the years many times. Like, whether we've swung back a little bit to, you know, defense is, I'm sorry to settle for it, but defense wins championships. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to get all the way there, but it's harder, I think, to just say go outscore Patrick Mahomes when their defense basically won them, you know, won them these playoff games and, and the Super Bowl even. Agreed. Um, it's the easy thing to say. And when you 
invest resources in defense and it doesn't work out that he still scores 30 points in a game, the 13 seconds game, or you've played him a couple times, a few times in the playoffs and he's still beating you, it's, well, then you just got to go out and not score him. I mean, there's no other way to do it because the defense has failed you. It's the easy thing to say. I think it's low-hanging fruit because your point is right. Well, that's not what the Chiefs did this year, and they won the stinking Super Bowl. The Chiefs invested in defense to stop other teams and said, if our offense isn't great, we can still win by having a defense because our offense will find its way eventually. That's what happened. I am not. I want to make sure. I, I am not advocating for that strategy because I think it was a struggle for the Chiefs to get to where they got to, and they finally won this year. So so I don't – like, that's not – I love what the Bills did a couple of years ago by just boat racing everybody and scoring <laughs> a bunch of points, and unfortunately it did end the way it did in Kansas City. We know that. I think they were built to win a Super Bowl that year. I would love that model. Just go score 30 points a game and not care about it. But – that is just a very, very unique situation to be able to do. And even the Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes, couldn't do that, didn't do that. They were a very average offense all year. Their defense was so good, it kept them in a lot of games, it kept them winning games, and eventually they only scored one touchdown in the Super Bowl that on offense that came from a muffed punt inside the 10-yard line before they eventually won the game because their defense kept them in it. So I agree with that. And we are going back a little bit. I do think it's an ebb and flow. And we have talked about this a lot. And you know, Bulldog, a great example is something you brought up earlier. I think the safety position is really good here, too, for this, which is I, I remember when it was, hey, these offenses are so amazing. You better go get a great safety to cover these tight ends. You better go get mm-hmm. these guys who can do so much. I don't think we're there anymore again. Now, I think defense is important, but I think it's the totality of the defense and how you scheme and how you just kind of insulate in the cover two shell. You don't need that. The reason why you're right about safety being the way it is now, kind of going the way the running back, because teams aren't trying to match up one-on-one against these great tight ends. They're saying, we're just going to hang back and let you kind of pick us part underneath, and that's fine with us. Right. So I don't need to go out and get a great safety anymore. That's that's a great example of how this league has gone back the other way. Yeah, and, and, if, and if you do have guys that will get paid – um, they're probably unique, like say Kyle Hamilton is, right? Yes. He's, he's more of a, he's more of what, he's maybe more like how the Bills use Jordan Poyer this year, except he's in a youthful, you know, young, <laughs> explosive, athletic body, not a guy who's played the, the amount of football Jordan Poyer's played. Like that guy maybe, you know, gets paid. But like, I don't know about just your, you know, run of the mill safety prospect getting, getting big money anymore. Yeah, I got, no, like, I, and and I, but I would tell you that I think the Bills had those kinds of guys, right? And you still like when Micah High yep. and Jordan Poyer, and for a few years, like you were so sad, you had the best of both worlds. The Bills' safety position for the last seven years essentially has been the perfect match of we can play this really good scheme to keep everybody in front of us because we don't want to get beat deep. And oh yeah, by the way, if we have to, we can still match up one on one with these guys who can play all different positions on the field. So back to defensive end, and we've mentioned Leonard Floyd here a few times, and it certainly seems like he's he's at least going to test the market. Do you remember like what what was the backstory? Because he was when the Bills signed him, I remember it feeling like a like it was a, a bit of a jolt. Like, wait a minute, he, he's got this many sacks, and he's been this consistent um, over over you know year over year. What was he doing still without a job that late? Like, was there an injury there that I don't remember? Like, I'm wondering what his market will be this year because, I mean, he had a good year, but he was coming off a bunch of good years when the Bills got him in the bargain bin. So I I wonder why he was there in the first place. 
I think a couple of things happened to Leonard Floyd, given where he was and how teams were, how the games were. And it's not necessarily untrue. He's really just regarded as a pass rush specialist, right? That's what he is regarded as. I don't think that teams wanted to pay him as a guy that they wanted to bring in to make a, okay, we're going to give you this money. You're going to play a lot. You're going to play all three downs. Mm. You're going to set the edge, pass rush. And I think you view a lot of these defensive ends as guys, if you're going to go out and get free agents, um, you know, in that regard. And even though he's a pass rush specialist, you know, he 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 would he could command that kind of money. You know, teams a lot of times have already settled in. They've had some guys. You need more. You need money to be able to spend it in free agency. And he probably wanted a little bit more. I think he, the second thing is to me, he outpriced himself basically, mm-hmm. which is I'm not going to get that first wave of money. So I'm going to sit around. And by the time that happened, teams who said, "Okay, we'll spend on a pass rush specialist," they already dried up that money. It's not there anymore, and we're not paying. He, we're not paying a guy to come in here and be a three-down player anyway, so it just didn't match. So to me, that's what happened. He is regarded as a pass rush specialist. That money dries up quickly if you're not in on that very quickly with a lot of these guys. Mario Williams, right? right look at that right there. Right. Um, but but then as this, as it goes on, teams just don't have the money, and I think he wanted to get paid. And eventually got paid by the Bills, but they had to work create, creatively. They gave him a bunch of void years, which they're voiding. So, you know, that that's how they wound up doing it. They kept the cap hit lower by giving him void years. And I also think it takes a GM to want to do that, Bulldog. How many GMs really want to do that necessarily? The Bills are doing it. They've done it with some guys because they're trying to win a Super Bowl. But it's not the prudent way to go for a lot of teams. Yeah, I, want, I wonder. I, I would imagine he and his representation – uh, probably learned from that. So to expect him to make the same mistake or his agent to make the same mistake uh, this offseason is you know probably not worth investing the hope in. Uh, but I guess, I don't know, cross your fingers. Like may- maybe he doesn't find a marketplace. That's an interesting analysis of him. Like he, he, he really isn't a guy that does – I mean, he does the most important part of the job, which is get mm-hmm. to the quarterback, right? But the rest of it, you know, there's not, there's not a lot there other than that. I mean, that is a nice – you know that'll get you that'll get you a career for sure, uh, but well, and also remember he was miscast his first several years in the league. He plays for Chicago. He played three four outside linebacker. He was considered a, a bust a little bit in the league, and he had to be put on the edge with his hand down to go after the quarterback. That's what he does. You can't put him at three four outside linebacker. I mean that's just not he doesn't have that all around game. And finally, what did he do? He go to the Rams. Oh yeah, I'm going to team up with Aaron Donald and and Von Miller. Well, of course, and I bet you there were teams who looked at him and said, well, how good really is he if he's on this group? Like, he, he's not getting the attention. If I bring him here to be my number one guy, he's going to be getting the attention. Well, the Bills, I think, felt, well, we need a number one guy. We like his game. We, he can fit into our scheme. We're just going to have him rush the passer. And, oh, by the way, when Von Miller is healthy and comes back, he doesn't have to be the number one guy, so it fit for them. Sal Capaccio uh, here along for the ride with me. I am the Bulldog. Lines are available for you at 803-0550. If you'd like to join us, we would love to hear from you. It would give us an opportunity, as we like to say, to get connected with our fans, which is brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. I mentioned on on Twitter, speaking of our our fans, our audience here, Sal, uh, AJ Epinesa getting some support uh, on Twitter as as a player to keep. And I I mentioned earlier when we were talking about him and the defensive line that I, I sort of have a sneaky suspicion that he, because of his age and his skill set, um, you know, it's not been a ton of production. What are we talking about? Six and a half sacks. He had the, the two spectacular 
tipped interception plays, right? One against the Chiefs, one against Washington. Um, so, like, there's been flashes there. I feel like that that is the profile of a guy that probably gets paid a little more than the Bills can handle. I, I'm I'm just guessing. I mean, he's a player I would certainly love to have back, but I just don't know if they can go up into, I don't know, if he gets to double digits per year on annual average value. Yeah, and there's always two sides to it. What does the player want, right? I mean, does does he want more snaps? Does he want to be in a more, you know, uh, uh, ro- the role of more of a kind of go-to guy, pass rusher? Whether he deserves that or not, he might want that. He might feel it's just not going to happen in Buffalo, right? Like, I know what they think of me. I know kind of where I fit in. <clears throat> they have Greg Rousseau. They have Von Miller still under contract. You know, so the player has some say here, obviously. And, yeah, I, I think this feels like exactly what you said which is and i and i do think he's an ascending player as i said earlier like i, I some team mm-hmm. is going to see that in him and go look i mean like to be transformed the way he did when he came out of college and he had a little bit of an up and down you know first year and a half two years because of losing weight being on the uh be, being made in a defense that wasn't necessarily as familiar with him to get to where he is now i think he's done a really good job that speaks volumes of him about him and i think that he'll score well in a lot of the off the field stuff and the way teams kind of view a guy like that and what he's willing to do, so I think that will get him a pretty good contract, and the Bills will be a hard have a hard time, you know, matching. Yeah. It. And I don't know if the Bills will want to do that necessarily. They may need and want something else. I think they like him, but again, I'll go back to: Do they think they can find guys just like him? Right. What I always wonder about too with a guy like that is how much some other team's front office scouts gms a guy who was a scout that's now an assistant gm or even a gm that met with him in the draft cycle right did the interviews with him at the combine went to his pro day right sat with him really liked him didn't get their hands on him now he's available like i wonder how often i i would think this happens pretty pretty regularly like teams remember like boy if i could ever get a chance to get that guy i want to go get that guy mm-hmm. and i i wonder about him i mean he wasn't a first round pick so maybe i'm i'm reaching a little bit here but i, I just i i just feel like that's that's going to be a guy that might be tough to hang on to oh, oh you you shouldn't be reaching even if it's a second round pick they do that with fifth and sixth round picks i mean these there's <laughs> yeah. they have dossiers on these guys they have these files that they go back and and, and i've talked with personnel people who say it like yeah, you, you file it away. This is what it's a great lesson in what a pro personnel director does. That's what a pro personnel you're you're literally there's a college personnel director that's in charge of scouting the, the, the college guys and having a staff that does that and reporting back. And what does it look like for the draft? The pro personnel director does the opposite. It's the pro guys, I should say not the opposite, but he does the same thing for the pros, which is OK. Here's a guy we have a file on. Let's watch him every time, you know, you get a chance. Let's let's stay on top of him because guess what? What if he gets released next? What if he becomes open in the trade value mar- in the trade market next week? What if he becomes a free agent in three years and we really look at him? Hundred percent. That absolutely happens. You know when that starts? That's at the combine next week. Those what they, they start getting these files on these guys. They meet with these guys. They put it in their back and they say, eh, "We're not going to have a chance to draft this guy. He's not ours now." But guess what? I would definitely keep my radar up. And I'll give you the other one. You know this happens as well as I do. I, I, I can almost guarantee you somebody from the blue list that I have of the Bills undrafted free agents, almost I, I, would, I could sit here and tell you I think multiple people will sign with the New York Giants because that's <laughs> Joe Shane. Right. And that's Brian Dable. And that's a whole bunch of guys from their staff. Like, you know, that's how it works as well. They were here. They know them. They feel comfortable bringing people into their organization because they work with them before. Yeah. It's also a reason why you'll get teams, I think, 
that just want to do all their homework talking to guys at positions they don't really even need. Right, just, exactly right. just to have that yes. on file, like you know, whatever we have these jobs. I know it looks really cushy, but we've got work to do, and some of the work is not necessarily for this upcoming draft, but it could be for four or five years down the road when that guy hits the market. Didn't the Bills say something like that about Russell Douglas a couple of years ago? Like when he when they traded for him, he's a guy we had like kind of looked at or wanted or something like. That, that, that happens a lot. You're 100% right about it. I remember someone, even them, talking about last year and saying, yeah, it's a guy we really looked at a couple of years ago. It might have been Naeem Hines, actually. I don't even know. But it was there, there was a move. They, they signed a guy. They traded for a guy. And I remember them talking about, yeah, that's a guy we actually kind of really liked, but you know, we, we couldn't get him in here, and now we had a chance to get him in here. Sal Capaccio is in for Mike Shope. Phone lines are available for you at 803-0550 if you'd like to join us. We're about a half an hour, 40 minutes or so away from the start of the Sabres pregame show. They're in Montreal to play the Canadiens tonight, so our attention will shift to Paul Hamilton and hockey at the top of the hour. But if you'd like to join us, plenty of time still for you to get in on the conversation, talking about the way forward with the Bills, some of their own free agents, draft ideas, um, etc. All available to you at 803-0550. We'll take a timeout here. I am the Bulldog. Back for more right after this on WGR. And then we went into... You got the Jordan rules, and we, we I'm calling out from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his Anytime he came to the hole, elbows, yeah. filling them, love taps. We touched them. We in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. So I show those guys Jordan getting... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. That is Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce. Uh, Sal, over to you. I, I, <laughs> what is he talking about? That, that's that's. Uh, we've got the book on Mahomes. I think is the subtext there. Like we we've got to, they're 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 going to treat Mahomes like Michael Jordan uh, got treated by the Pistons before Michael Jordan eventually ascended to the top and ate all their souls uh no 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 i don't i don't think that's not what i got out of it i could be wrong maybe i'm wrong okay no please correct me because that hit me in a very odd way i'm sitting here sort of puzzled like what what the hell is he talking about maybe i'm wrong the way i got that was he's talking about the quote-unquote jordan rules how the officials treated jordan oh i see and he's saying that's how the officials are treating mahomes okay 
Of course that happens. Like you can't touch them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. All but right. I don't know. Maybe not. I, may, reason- may, because because he did bring up how, oh, he did not jump me. He did elbow. I get that. I understand that. Yeah. But the Jordan Rules was literally a book. There was literally a book written called Jordan Rule. <laughs> the Jordan Rules. Right. And it was because every, you know, the theory was there's rules for everyone and then there's rules for Michael Jordan when right. it comes to the officials and calling fouls. Right. The reason I got confused is because the other the other day, maybe just yesterday, I read something. This is the problem: just scrolling Twitter and not clicking on everything because you're you know just d- don't have time. Um, where Pierce, that that I saw, are we played something on our show yesterday? Like what is tripping me up here? Where he was bragging about how they've got they know how to stop Mahomes. They've got the mm. book on Mahomes is is what I'm okay. thinking of. Zach, you you can fill me out here. We were doing power rankings and Nate brought it up that he had heard that oh. he all of a sudden was saying like he's got the book and we all were like, okay, well that's going to dock you a few points here because you don't. Right, right, all right. So I'm taking Nate's word for it then. That's that's risky. So I'm 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 treacherously out on thin ice here, Sal. I think uh, that's so I I heard Antonio Pierce speaking and was thinking it was pertaining to what Nate was alluding to yesterday, and now I'm wondering if Nate was even correct. Sorry. Sorry, Nate, because um, that, that just blew the whole context of the thing to me. So um, I don't know. Now I just want to kind of leave. I kind of want to leave this over here. Of course, the star quarterbacks in the league get treated differently. You even see Josh Allen get calls that you know he probably maybe doesn't deserve. Like he's he's gotten pretty good at that, and that's it's 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 an art form even to get calls that maybe you don't deserve. Right. I think this has been something that's been talked about for many years on star quarterbacks. And how many times have we talked about, well, that guy, he, you know, he doesn't get the calls the other guy. you got to be have some more skin in the game, right, and things like that, no right. doubt. And I do think that some quarterbacks get treated different. I do think there are the so-called Jordan rules for certain quarterbacks. Um, you know, but it, it just it's just it's what we're, we're going to be having the same conversation 15 <laughs> years from now with the next guy. Like, right, of course. It's just right. always going to be a part of the conversation. And. Yeah, I mean, everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. You think it. If you're on the other end of it, you're always going to think it even more. What I find wild is that the head coach of the Raiders is talking about it, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> right, right. What, what do you think of that hire? Like, I, I feel like maybe that's not as as welcomed and as great as an idea if Dan Campbell doesn't already exist. But Dan Campbell shows up in Detroit with no background calling plays. Like He's not necessarily an expert on either side of the ball. And just charisma, leadership, right? Just touches all the right all the right buttons with his guys, and that that seems like a home run hire. I feel like Antonio Pierce is kind of the Raiders hoping that they've got their Dan Campbell now. I agree, um, and I, I think that the way that you know the players did rally around him, Devonta Adams come speaking out, and you know Max Crosby and guys like that. Those are so guys with weight in the organization, right? And it felt to me like Mark Davis didn't want to do that, right? Like he didn't want to hire him full time, but he had such a groundswell of these players <laughs> saying, "You got to do this, you got to do this," right? That maybe he just felt pressured that he needs to, and it might work out. He might be great. I mean, he did. They did go to Kansas City and win, um, you know, that game late in the season, and he did a really nice job. But I, I, I think that. It's. It felt to me like Davis wanted to make a bigger swing than do that when it 
before he did it. Yeah. Something else, speaking of swings, here's a swing um, to the left, a subject that has not come up yet today that's been sort of on my radar. Have you been paying much attention at all to the Justin Jefferson situation with the Minnesota Vikings and the like? The, I have not the contract negotiations. I get. I just know his. They're, they're, he's got to get paid, and they're trying to work through that. I don't know of any situation though. Right. I haven't seen that okay. Well, I don't want. It's a situation might be um, a, slop, okay. a sloppy way to put it. Um, but like he made the rounds at Super Bowl week, like a lot of guys do, and basically said like I I, I want to be paid. Um, you know, top dollar, which no, you know, no surprise. He certainly deserves that. He's he's you know he's coming up at the right time. He's been excellent. You could easily make the argument he's the best receiver in the game. There's maybe three, four, or five other guys you could you know make the case for, but he certainly is one. And the 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 hitch here now that that I've seen in the last few days is that he wants guaranteed money. Like he wants the whole thing guaranteed is what some of the reporting I'm seeing on it is. And that's really interesting. The Vikings, for all the attention Deshaun Watson and that contract with the Browns got for kind of breaking the mold, right? Guaranteed money, entire contract guaranteed. The Vikings have done that already with Kirk Cousins. It's not it wasn't for like multiple years, but it, it's been uh, you know 30 million a year for a few years that they committed to and it was all guaranteed and so now you've got a team that's in a position that's they they've already done this for their quarterback and now their star wide receiver is making noise about wanting the same thing and I think that that could be really interesting to watch that play out. And then there's this this part of it too. Like they're probably moving on from Cousins, and I don't know what their plan is at quarterback. Um, but whatever their plan is, there's there's some level of uncertainty. I don't know if there's a veteran out there that is going to improve on Cousins. They're on the verge of committing probably what will be monstrous, like you know, biggest wide receiver contract in the history of the sport mm-hmm. for Justin Jefferson. And I'm getting all kinds of trade up to four to get Sammy Watkins when you don't really believe or know who your quarterback is yet. Uh, vibes like that—that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a little—I'm a little worried for the Vikings if they commit all this money to Jefferson and kind of start over at quarterback. That seems a little risky. I mean, I get the player is definitely worth the money in a vacuum, but as a team building exercise, I'm not sure if you know. Not having certainty at quarterback is a is a great idea, and commit all that money to a receiver. Yeah, so commit all that money to a receiver. I, he is phenomenal, right? He really is. Yeah, um, and that's a well. You I mean this is the team that did trade Stephon Diggs, and he was really good. He, you know, obviously Jefferson's done even more than Diggs at that point in his career for sure. Um, but this is a team and ownership that did you know wind up trading Stephon Diggs. I think of this as even parallel to the Bills here, where at where it is. Yes, you're right to bring up Sammy Watkins. I'm thinking about today, which is, are the Bills, do they have, would it ever be smart now to trade assets to move really high to take a quarterback? Thinking about the Sammy Watkins situation, right, where they moved mm-hmm. up to take Sammy Watkins. That was because they needed to get EJ help, right? I mean, we know, okay, get EJ help. We got to make him, we're going to help this guy as much as we can. He might not be a franchise quarterback, but we're going to help him get there a little bit quicker to kind of mask him. Mm-hmm. It's not the case now. You have Josh Allen, but Josh Allen needs some help. Stephon Diggs needs some help. The team has said that. They have not drafted a wide receiver high. They've talked about explosive plays. They've talked about player acquisition. They have moved up in the draft a couple of times recently, only by a few spots, but they've done it. Brandon Bean likes to trade up. 
He has 10 picks now to play with, Mm -hmm. and if he doesn't come out of there with all 10, it's okay. You can have seven or eight. I think you're okay with that. Is this a year where they do that? I, I, I just don't rule it out. I know, you know, that that the offset to that to me is you might need all those picks because of the holes you have on your roster, but you know, maybe if you if you want to spend what what have, what have they spent the last couple of years? It's been a fourth round pick I think to move up to get Elam and Kincaid. I I think that's been the price. Um of course along with the pick that they had originally. Um so if if you want to you know, twist my arm and convince me that it might be a good idea to do that with one of those picks, I'm 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 listening, you know. Um, but boy, I, I think I wonder if it changes because of their financial situation and whether they feel like they need to give themselves as many chances to hit on a potential starting player, safety, d- you know, defensive lineman, whatever it may be, even receiver, um, rather than spend it on one player, use multiple picks on one guy. I find it hard to believe all 10 players' draft picks are making this team, and the Bills have to probably understand that. I mean, I know they have holes, but they're going to go out and sign guys, and they're not having 10 rookies make this team, right? So I I just can't see it. So I I don't think they come out of this draft with all 10 picks. If they did, they're losing some of them probably at the end. They're they're probably losing some to waivers, Hmm. or at least they might. There's a chance of that. They can get back in the practice squad, there's no doubt. And they do do sign undrafted free agents, but – I look at the 10 picks, and if I'm Brandon Bean, I may be sitting there going, I don't think I'm getting 10 rookies drafted drafted players to make this team. I'm probably going to draft somebody that winds up on someone else's team. So I need to use these things to move around the board a little bit. I, yeah, I hear that. I guess I'm 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 allowing for the variance of of you know not hitting on every one of those picks. So I want to give myself right. as many chances to fill holes. And if seven of them make it and three don't, like okay, that's maybe the cost of doing business. Um, I you know you don't want to end up with a situation where you've drafted a guy and he could make your team if not for numbers, and now you're just going to lose him for nothing, and some other team is going to have him, and like that would stink. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hear you there. Um, you know, a part of this too, for me, I guess I'd admit I'm, I'm more open to them moving up because of the frequency with which they've done it. <laughs> right. You know, like they, they, they seem to like doing it. So I don't know. Do I want to just keep fighting against it? They've, they've done it. Then they've, you know, I don't know. They're hit and miss. Right. I mean, they moved up for Elam and I don't know. Where is that? You know, like he's, he's on the team, I think next year, but you know, he, he just, has not been an impact player at all. And that's a, that's maybe a trade up that you might regret. Yeah, for sure. Um, This is a team that has to, in some way, reshape themselves. I think the biggest question is how do they do that this off season? I I don't know if you heard me on with Evan Lazar last week. Evan came on, he covers the Patriots. Mm -hmm. I just really love how he broke it down and it's not rocket science. We know this, but you know, he kind of went through the different stages of the Patriots with Tom Brady. And how they started off won three or four Super Bowls, and a lot of those teams were built on defense. And they, you know, they that Brady wasn't a game. I hate saying he's a game manager. He wasn't, but he wasn't Brady what we knew him to be, and mm-hmm. and he eventually became. And then I know they didn't win a Super Bowl for the next ten years, but they're still damn good. They went to a couple and lost, but they had to change. And throughout that time, one of the things they did was they became this incredible juggernaut, passing and throwing and scoring, and the you know Randy Moss and outscoring everybody. But they changed the way they had to kind of play because of some of the contracts they had to leave. And then over the last few years after that, what they do? They went kind of back to the other way. And there was a time in there where there was the tight ends. And then, again, they're going to get Moss. And I just think the Bills, it somehow have to figure out, Bulldog, 
what their next iteration is, right? That's the tricky part. They can't, they're not going to be the same team all the time. We know that everybody says that, but what does that look like? That that's what I'm trying to figure out. And how does that mm-hmm. work? Because the chiefs have done it. The chiefs did it this year. Their second iteration started this year and they won the Super Bowl a completely different way. Right. Yeah. And even last year to an extent too. Um, like a lot of people talked about how last year the Chiefs, you know, they, they make the hill move, they don't kick money down the road from Mahomes. It's sort of like, you know, it's a reset kind of year and they still go ahead and win it. Um so yeah, I mean this is this is all sort of brand new, I think, for Brandon Bean and and this whole Bills front office is how how do you how do you supplement what you've got had going on, um, if not even overhaul it, right? I mean, there's there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of turnover, and like the 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 first group with with Hyde especially probably done uh, feels like, and and who knows what the future is for Tre'Davious White? Like that, it's a very different looking team without those. Mm-hmm. If if we end up with without both of those two guys. Uh, for sure, and Poyer can be in that same mix too. Although he is under contract, so is White. I know. I just it's uncertain because of injury. Anyway, all right. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the number. We'll take another time out. We're just about fifteen minutes away from Sabers pregame show, so we'll start getting into a a hockey mindset here as we move along. Sal Capaccio in for Mike Show. I'm the Bulldog. You're listening to WGR. Grooving along here on a Wednesday. Thank you for tuning in. To the show today, Sal Capaccio sitting in for Mike Shope. I am the Bulldog. We're closing in on Sabres pregame time. Paul Hamilton at the ready from Montreal. Time now for us to get connected to our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. John is first up this segment. Hi, John. Thanks for calling. You're on WGR. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Thank you. So um, I was just curious on what you guys think of the allegations that the Sabres have too many players on their team with a similar play style and that our forward group, our top nine specifically, needs to have maybe a more diverse skill set. I know that Paul Hamilton has kind of been bringing Mm -hmm. it up before, but I feel like I've never really heard your guys' opinion before. In a way, I can understand where these people are coming from. I don't think it's just Paul who holds this opinion. I feel like when you have so many top 10 picks in the last however many years on your team, I think you're going to end up drafting a lot of super skilled, you know, finesse Mm -hmm. players as you would find at the top of the draft. You know, these were players that were always the best players on their high school, college, junior, or AHL team. I feel like they were always the man, the Mm -hmm. scorer, the producer, the playmaker, that they really don't know how to play any other style or don't really know they don't really have any other approach to the game. Yep. So I guess what I'm getting at here is that it can maybe be easy to prepare against a team where 10 of your 12 forwards are more or less have a pretty similar skill set and play style. So I hope that makes sense. And uh, No, it certainly does. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you, John. Yeah, I, I think um, Yeah, I, we've talked about this a lot with Paul uh, over the years. And I, I – I, I, um, I think they definitely have a lot of similar sounding prospects, if not even their NHL lineup itself. Um, and I think the job the GM has at a time like now, really, you could say this about last off season even, is to use some of those assets that, like, you're not going to have room for all of the high end skill guys to play in your lineup. So go find players to play those roles and use those assets to make that happen. And they have been 
very reluctant so far to part with any of those guys. Um, and we'll see if that changes as we get to the trade deadline and into the offseason. But they need to have a more diversified lineup up front. I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't need, um, you know, uh, oh, I need, t- I need toughness, like the classic definition of toughness. Um, but, g- you know, a good checking line would be something I'd be very interested in. And I, I don't even really know how you put that together right now with the Sabres' current crop of players, nor what really they have um, you know, coming in the pipeline at this point. Anything on that, Sal? <laughs> sorry, I didn't know if the caller was still on. Or if we're gonna, <laughs> oh, no, sorry. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no. that's okay. That's okay. Um, listen, I, I mean, more diverse skill set. Um, I don't know. That last year, they were so good at scoring. And this year, it's funny. I We had Granado on yesterday when I was on with Jeremy. And I just did a little numbers things because I wanted to be prepared to talk to him. And I noticed, Bulldog, they're actually on pace for more shots on goal this year. But their shooting percentage is so much <laughs> different and far below. They were top. They were like six last year. They're like twenty seventh this year, right? So I don't. I don't think that you know the the necessarily the skill set is anything that's that's wrong. Um, I think that you know finishing shot selection, whatever, all that can be. What I do think though is you talk about defensive end fatigue. We're talk- I have prospect fatigue, as Jeremy. Says. That's a great <laughs> right, way to put it. Right. I don't need more prospects. Like what? What are you doing? Just go out, get more. But but it's hard to do right now where they are at the trade deadline, and I just don't know how they kind of replenish until the off season if they're going to do something like that. And then and then to me, it's like you move prospects to get players in here. Right. Yeah. The off season is probably more the time for that than than right now at the trade deadline. But generally speaking, the caller's premise, I I I I concur uh, to an extent. I wouldn't want to overcorrect. Uh, but that's where I've seen the national guys talking about Scott Lawton from Philadelphia, who's kind of fallen off the map as a defensive player, but that's been his calling card. And that uh, like Jeff Merrick and, and Elliot Friedman have talked about him being a target for the Sabres, and I think that's exactly why. What the caller brings up is why you're looking for more of a classic defensive-type player. Again, I'm not sure this player fits the bill currently, but previously in his career that's who he's been all right sal thank you for this lovely three hours with you i will handle it from here with paul hamilton thanks for this and we'll catch up later in the week probably all right you got it buddy that's our man sal capaccio we turn our attention to hockey the sabers are in montreal paul hamilton after a break here on wgr Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.